You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend, John Beeler. We're Canada's number one tech radio program. We talk all about the world of connected devices, digital lifestyles, and smart homes, smartphones, anything techy. We've got a great program for you today. Uh, we will actually be talking with a, an interesting gentleman. Uh, his name is Gregory Baker. He owns a, a computer store here locally, John, PC Galore, that I've known about for many, many years. He's been out. 30 years. I've been plus. to the store many times. I used to live actually a few blocks away from his store. Yeah. I uh, I started my world, my life back in Doppler computers in Vancouver back in the day. So I, I know that whole computer retailing side, but he uh, runs a, a used computer store. And I'm just fascinated how long computers last now, John. Like you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on the latest gear, really, well, unless you've got a specific purpose. Yeah, and that's usually the reason why someone would upgrade is there's some killer app or some upgrade that they need uh, to, to do that thing. Yeah. But yeah, quite often, a lot of stuff sits in closets and garages and stuff like that, and it doesn't need to. Uh, we will also be talking with the folks over at uh, MasterCard about a new uh, program they have got uh, going on and USB cable voltmeters. Okay, that sounds really geeky. It is, but... It'll help troubleshoot some of the problems that a lot of people, I think, have. This is important because all the electronics devices we use have some sort of USB cable, right? Typically, yes. Yes. And I've got like drawers full of these things and not all of them always work properly. So we're going to kind of go through how you can actually check them out. Let's get into some of the tech news here on uh, Get Connected. We cover Apple AirTags a lot over the past year, John. I've got one. I've, I've got one. I've got, yeah, you've got one as well. Um, it's been a lot of issues around the whole privacy aspect, like people planting an air tag on you and tracking you. Yes. But th they're, they're taking steps to alleviate a lot of people's concerns. Yeah, they've done a few things. They've, they've introduced a security policy. Basically, it's a guidebook that they have of how to detect if you're being tracked yeah. without your knowledge. And they've made some changes to how the AirTags actually behave if there's one in your vicinity that's not yours. It'll come up on your phone. It'll come up on your phone. It'll, yeah. it'll say, hey, there's something that's not associated with your account in your vicinity. But they've also changed the sounds that it will make so that it's more noticeable because you can actually make it chirp. And This is new, right? This is new, yeah. Yeah. So it's, I guess, uh, a sound that's better for people to actually hear. Well, they made it louder. Yeah. So instead of being this quiet kind of bird chirpy kind chirp, of sound, chirp. yeah, it's it's much louder now. So you can actually. How much sound can they possibly get out of these things? Though? You They're know what I mean? pretty tiny. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's impressive that they were able to do this just by tuning the frequencies and that type of thing. So, I think this is you know it's always good and just make sure uh, if you're using a legitimate AirTag yourself that you have the firmware updated, which should happen automatically in the background. Uh, also in the news, Amazon's Fire TV Cube can now connect directly with uh, selected hearing aids. Which is great. I think this is awesome. So, you know, if you're looking to make your TV smarter, there's a number of these different uh, devices. Apple's got their Apple TV. There's Roku sticks. Uh, Amazon's got their Fire TV sticks. And uh, this Cube here now, I love the fact that you can actually pair it up with uh, hear, uh, hearing aids. Yeah. So... That's that's good for a number of reasons, right? Like, yeah, it's good for the people that have hearing aids, but also it's good so if you have a partner that's maybe not watching TV, you don't have to have the volume cranked up. Exactly. Uh, Snapchat. If you're listening to this program, you probably don't know what Snapchat is or use it. 
<laughs> it, you know, it's a, a social sharing, social media app that tends to skew younger. Generally. Generally. They have a flying camera now, and it's not April Fool's. I know. Right? I know. This came out of the blue, and it came out in April. Yeah. Just last week. And I did do a double take. Like, is this just a late April Fool's thing? And it's basically a tiny little drone that has enclosed propellers. And the idea behind it is that it fits in the palm of your hand, and you deploy it to take selfies. <laughs> Obviously, it's going to work with their app, right? Yes. And it's called Pixie. Yes. A cute and, little name. And it's fairly inexpensive. It's only 229 US. That's, that's not inexpensive. That's a lot of money for a little selfie. Well, there's some people that take selfies very serious, Mike, unlike I, you. No. <laughs> Would you buy it? I've thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. 600 bucks for this little drone. 229. 229. Sorry. Six, I don't know where I got that number. But I mean, you already have a drone. I do. But like, so for a few hundred dollars more, you can get like a real drone. Right? Yeah. But this fits in the palm of your hand. You don't need a pilot's license to use it. And it's going to pair directly with your phone and take your picture and just return back to your hand. Thank God for technology, John. Yes. Okay, we've got a lot more to talk about on today's program. We'll be talking about uh, used computers. Are they the right thing to do when you're looking for your next tech purchase? Uh, and we will also be chatting about USB cables. I know, not exciting, but we're going to talk about how you can find out whether they're good or not. And you know, as we get more drawers full of these things, because all these electronic devices use them, this is kind of an important thing to know. You're listening to Get Connected. Back after this. Back with the program, Mike and John here. Wanted to to kind of go back in time a little bit, John. Uh, as you know, I uh, started my uh, my early days off in uh, computer retailing. I do indeed. I yeah. think I bought my first PC from you. <laughs> I still find that really weird. Yeah. Uh, no, I used to work at uh, Doppler Computers back in the uh, the nineties, and I have a lot of fun memories. Just uh, you know, getting get my hands on all the cool computer gear back then, three eighty sixes and yeah, it was 486s and Pentiums came out. Well, I remember going to Doppler because of the fact that you guys were one of the few places that had, just had a huge amount of retail space. Yeah. And you had all the toys. It's like a candy store for nerds. Well, there was a few uh, cool stores around uh, at the time. And, you know, we're talking here in uh, Vancouver. Uh, you know, Future Shop was just kind of starting to percolate. Uh, but uh, one of the other stores uh, I remember uh, quite well was uh, PC Galore. We've got uh, the man... Over there, his name is Greg Baker. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Uh, it's uh, fantastic that you're keeping this up. And, and it's interesting that you bring up Doppler computer because I just happen to be drinking my uh, coffee from my Doppler computer cup. Oh, so, get out of uh, here. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is amazing. That is amazing. I love it. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your, your history, uh, Greg. Uh, like, how long have you had your computer store and, and how are you still around? Uh, part craziness, I guess, yeah. uh, part uh, passion. Um, so history, um, fresh out of um, a French and Russian literature degree uh, from Western, I was looking for something to do. Uh, my father at the and well, you know what? You should open a used computer store. And that was in 1994. Uh, there weren't uh, really any used computer stores at the time. And uh, I had a closet full of computers, uh, old computers, uh, my Osborne one that I used uh, in high school, my Radio Shack Model 100, 
my TI 994A, and I put those on the shelf, put price tags on them, and uh, I played games and waited for customers to come in. And John, I was uh, 20, uh, 23 years old. Uh, John, I think you and I could open our own old used computer well, store. That, that's actually how I met Greg. I was selling uh, some old computer tech. What were you selling? Uh, my Commodore monitor. Oh my, I remember those. Those were the monitor back then. Yeah. yeah. And, and then Greg says, do you have anything else? And I'm like, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I do. And he ended up buying a, my Radio Shack TRS-80 Model 3 and uh, the Apple II that I had as well. So, Greg, you, you deal mostly in like use computer, uh, you know, phones and laptops and PCs. Like, is, is there a big market for that? Uh, well, there's been a huge market. Obviously, um, the market has changed over time. And I think one of the reasons we've been uh, able to survive, uh, and I've seen companies like Doppler disappear, Future Shop disappear, uh, these big, big stores disappear, is because we've been nimble enough to adjust to times. And uh, I've also benefited uh, from being on the trailing edge of tech. I, I enjoy, uh, and I think our customers believe it too, that there's really no need to get a, uh, get the latest computer uh, when you know last year's model or a two-year-old model will do just fine. I think that's particularly true today, uh, certainly last last 15 years anyways. Um, uh, you know, the incremental changes between, you know, processors and, and, and versions of computers have been, it's been so small uh, that there's really no need to run out and get the latest thing. How long do you think a computer is good for nowadays? I remember back in the day, like, I always had to get, like, the newest computer, you know, m- if I had to wait two years, that was a long time, like because things were just changing all all the time, and uh, it, it just seemed, you know, there were big changes. Like, how long do you think they last now? Like, uh, well, that's a that's a really good question. Um, you know, the the hardware and software manufacturers really dictate that more and more because. Uh, you know, especially with Apple, uh, they antiquate their hardware in, in a shorter amount of time now than they used to. So uh, the operating systems uh, used to last longer hardware, but now, you know what, you can't run Monterey on a uh, 2013 computer, uh, whereas it used to last over longer than that. So how long can you use a computer? Well, um, I, I mean, I see people using them for 10 years at least. Uh, or longer, uh, you know, the majority of people, I think, uh, switch after four to six years, uh, businesses, of course, and I deal with a lot of businesses that unload their, their old equipment to me, they're turning their computers over every three years. Um, and so it really depends on who you're dealing with. And, <laughs> like I, I've seen on your site, I've, I've gone on there, you know, you've got the little laptops and stuff, but I mean, you're even selling like iPhone fives, you know, unlocked iPhone fives for a hundred dollars. Is there still a big market for the older phones? A big market? No. Um, phones in particular are challenging because there's so much competition from the uh, providers. So, uh, I mean, there's. I, I still sell iPhone fives, uh, iPhone six. It's, it's moved up to now. I'd say minimum six uh, iPhone sevens, that sort of thing. Uh, but because providers offer 
uh, you know, financing deals for their phones, packaged with plans. Um, there are fewer and fewer people that take advantage of, you know, uh, you know, the older phones. They also like, like their hardware even faster. So you want to run the latest OS, uh, there's a, a short window basically uh, for you to, to hold on to your phone. You're, you're looking at replacing it uh, or not being able to run the current iOS after, uh, let's say, six, six years. And then they decide, okay, well, you can't, you can't run the latest updates. You still use your phone, but you can't run the latest updates. We're talking with Greg Baker. He's uh, the man over at uh, PC Galoris, a, a local Vancouver shop that's been around for decades now. I remember them back uh, in the, the 90s when I was in the computer game. Uh, but just fascinated, like there's still just a, a big market for a lot of the used gear, John. Well, and also a lot of accessories and those weird cables that you can't get anymore. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. I think Greg has all that kind of stuff too. I do. I, uh, I, uh, hoard a lot of things <laughs> and uh i uh, i uh, get requests for very odd cables um uh and uh, pc galore is a bit of a memory game trying to remember where i <laughs> i put that odd usb cable or that odd uh bnc cable or whatever it is where somebody comes in and they have an old camera and they want to connect their old camera uh you know to their computer, but it requires a Canon camera and it requires some crazy, you know, proprietary Canon cable. So, uh, I stock that stuff. It's, um, it's part craziness and, uh, part, you know, interest. So one of the things you, you mentioned to me when, when we met was that, uh, you, you, ha- you're sort of in the process of building out a museum of computing tech. Yes. Well, that's, uh, been a passion of mine. Um, and it, it's it started really um, well. Uh, I mean, I'm nostalgic for things uh, that I've had in the past, uh, as we all are, perhaps. Uh, uh, for me, you know, uh, I uh, I see a, an Osborne or a TI ninety nine four A or an Apple two plus, and it, it takes me back to when I was you know eight or nine or ten years old, and I was playing games with my friends. Uh, on a Commodore 64, that pixelated uh, image. Uh, but for me, at the time, it, it was such a novel thing. I saw these computers, and I was just mesmerized by them. I just thought, this is fantastic. And so I look at these now. I, I've, ha- I've been in this business for almost 30 years. Um, I've amassed quite a collection of computers, probably I, I would say safely, you know, one of the most significant in Canada. I uh, rent them to movies uh, uh, or series that want period pieces. Uh, but for me, it's mainly uh, about my interest and my passion for, you know, uh, these uh, tools, these uh, devices that we used uh, or uh, in the past and, and how it's progressed. You know, a lot of people collect cars, um, and it's for the same reason, nostalgia. They, they see an old design that they really admire. Well, for me, I look at a, you know, I have a, a, a Next Cube or an Imsay or an Altair 
and I'm fascinated with this stuff. Like, I mean, for in terms of design, you know, Steve Jobs really, uh, that was his, uh, his world. It was about designing uh, a device that was an aesthetically pleasing um, device, whereas most PCs were less so. But uh, there are just so many fascinating things in the Apple world uh, and in the PC world that, uh, you know, it, it's driven me to do this. So. We've been talking with Gregory Baker. He's uh, the man over at PC Galore, a really cool uh, used PC shop here in Vancouver. But they also have a website if you want to check out some of their things as well, uh, pcgalore.com. I want to thank you for coming on the program today. Well, thank you very much for having me, guys. Fantastic show. Going to have to go down and uh, check out uh, the fever dream of, (laughs) (laughs) of computer gear. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. I want to bring on uh, a great guest. We've had them on uh, a number of times before, uh, MasterCard. They've done really innovative things uh, with payment technologies over uh, the past few years. I've had a chance to visit some of their innovation centers. It it looks like a, a, a... crazy NORAD war room, like just, you know, monitoring the security of people's uh, credit cards around the world. We've got Shauna Miller uh, with us. She's the vice president of marketing and communications over at MasterCard. Thanks for joining us, Shauna. Thank you for having me. And when you talked about NORAD, it reminded me of the Santa tracking that we watch every year at Christmas time. You must do that. I was down in St. Louis uh, at that uh, facility down there. It's just amazing uh, technology that, uh, you know, keeps everyone's uh, information and uh, uh, finance information safe. But today we're going to be talking about something I I think is pretty cool. You know, uh, for a lot of the, you know, transgendered listeners out there, you know, people that identify, you know, as non-binary, sometimes they, you know, have troubles expressing their identity. MasterCard's come out uh, with a new program here uh, called True Name. And I think uh, BMO, the Bank of Montreal, is one of the first ones to roll this out, uh, basically allowing people to use uh, the name they identify with. Shauna, can you explain what that all means? For sure. Uh, and thank you for that, by the way. So in, in short, uh, as you rightly said, for the transgender and the non-binary communities in particular, the identity that's printed on their card does not reflect who they truly are. And as you can imagine, that can be a real source of sensitivity for them. And quite frankly, it misrepresents who they truly are. It misrepresents their true identity. So the true name feature by MasterCard was designed uh, to essentially change just that. And it enables people to display their preferred name across all of their consumer and small business credit cards. And as you rightly said, the the first bank partner to do that with us in Canada is Bank of Montreal. Is this something that'll be rolling out to other financial institutions? Yes. So we've uh, did the press release uh, a few weeks ago in partnership with Bank of Montreal. And as a result of that, we've had a number of different partners uh, reach out to us to say that there is an intense amount of interest in looking at bringing the feature to their cardholders and their customers as well. So lots of great conversations in the queue right now. So just so I understand this clearly, um, you can use whatever name you identify with. It doesn't have to be your legal name. Correct. So you take your chosen name and that chosen name is is put on the card that represents who you truly are. That is exactly it. Is, is there any kind of, uh, I'm choosing my words carefully here, like 
validation or certification that you need to provide or can you just use any name you would like the the reason i ask is like do you see other people that maybe aren't uh non-binary using their xbox gamer tags on their credit cards or something like that yeah, so I'll explain this a little bit. MasterCard does not have a specific rule that specifies that the cardholder's uh, the cardholder name must be the cardholder's legal name, and the name on the card is at the discretion of the card issuer. So it's the issuing bank, and in this case, uh, the Bank of Montreal, that can make the true name feature by MasterCard available to all of their customers very easily. And all that's needed is a question on the application process that asks the consumer what name they'd like to appear on the card as part of that application process. Now, to be clear, your chosen name, uh, we are intending this, obviously, to support the transgender and non-binary community. There will be filters on the bank partner side to ensure that there is no inappropriate use. So, for example, the use of an expletive. Um, But the chosen name truly is up to the person and how they identify and how they would like to present themselves on their card. So it's kind of like a like a nickname on your uh, even on your bank account you can actually give your like, your card a nickname and I'm not using that term loosely or lightly but it just gives you the ability to add something on top of it that you truly want to use. But what is uh, uh, Shana, what is the legality uh, on that? Cuz I know sometimes like especially when I'm down in the US they always want to see, you know, some picture ID or they used to anyway back back in the day before the pandemic. Uh, so I'd have to pull out like a driver's license and they'd match the name. So what happens there? Right. Is, is that still a thing? Uh, so I can't speak to the US, but I can speak to Canada. Okay. We do not require merchants to... So if you go into a store, we don't require that... Uh, merchant to validate the cardholder name to accept a credit card. Got it. Um, now, the the important piece here is when someone is making the request to enable true name on their card, it's the name on the account that changes, not just on the card. So the the nice part of this is that the change to the chosen name extends to the entire positive consumer experience. So for example, if someone calls into their bank, uh, they'll be addressed by their chosen name throughout the process. So it's the concept of inclusivity that goes well beyond the card itself. We're talking about a new program uh, from MasterCard MasterCard called True Name, uh, especially for those folks uh, that uh, are non-binary, transgendered, and would like to have their own identity and name that might not necessarily be their their legal name. Uh, Currently, uh, just out with the Bank of Montreal right now, but uh, hopefully coming to other financial institutions soon. Where can people find out more information, Shauna? Uh, you can visit our website, mastercard.ca slash truename, or uh, certainly visit the Bank of Montreal's website or visit a branch or call the Bank of Montreal for more details. Thanks for joining us. It was my pleasure. When we come back from the break, if you've got a drawer full of USB cables and don't know what's working and what's not, well, we've got a solution for you. You're listening to Get Connected here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. I can't believe we're doing a segment about USB voltmeters. And as I'm saying that, I'm sure that like half the listeners right now are like, oh. <laughs> okay, well, we should have maybe set it up with... Why? Should I have sold this better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So recently I've had a number of cases where I've plugged in a USB cable into a device. It doesn't matter what the device is. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't charge properly. It doesn't um, doesn't behave properly. And one of the things that 
problem that I have, and I'm sure you have it as well, and probably a lot of people listening, is you have a lot of, we have a lot of cables. Oh, John, I have drawers of these things now because everything has yeah. a USB cable. So it's pretty rare, unless you label it specifically or just bundle it with that specific device, that you have the original cable that came with that device. Yes. Because nowadays, with USB-C as being sort of the standard for most things, except for Apple phones, yes, um, you can just use any old cable, and it would most of the time work. But not always. Not all cables are the same. No. And the other problem that we have nowadays, too, is, and we've talked about things like GAN chargers, for example. So you're charging your MacBook with the this GAN charger, which is smaller than the one Apple provides. Like, they're like half the size. Yeah. And they actually have more performance. Yeah. And quite often, they actually have more ports. But again, the problem is the cable. So the cable that you're using to connect these power bricks to uh, computers, to different devices, those things like that, the cables all are different. And it really matters the quality of them, where they came from. Some of the ones that are bundled with things are just specifically for charging purposes. Yeah, not data. Not data. And there's sometimes there's not even any wiring for the data The data pins basically in the USB cable. And so that's one of the challenges you have. And then the other time is when even if you do have uh, a charge capable cable that you're just using to charge something, the cable itself can actually cause problems with the device because it's not not rated properly for the amount of power that it's that that particular thing like a MacBook yeah. would be drawing. Because they're drawing a lot of power. They are. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things I got recently uh, from Amazon was this little uh, braided cable. Yep. And it actually has in the plug that's connected directly to my MacBook, a little display, a little OLED display. And it shows me how many watts is flowing through that cable. Okay. So you got it plugged in right now. Yeah. So how many watts are going through there? Well, it's fluctuating. Okay. It goes, I mean, my, my laptop is fully charged. So it's just basically topping up my laptop. Got while, it. While we're doing all this recording and stuff. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, though, is you can actually see how much juice is flowing through. This particular cable is rated for 100 watts, which is also what my GAN charger is rated for. Okay, so 100 watts is a lot. That's what you'd use to charge up a, you know, a like, nice size laptop. Yeah, and this is like the current gen 14-inch MacBook Pro yeah. M1. Like a, a, an iPhone would be like 5 or 10 watts, right? Maybe, but yeah. it can be it can be even more, right? It just depends on what it is. The thing is, I know this cable is new, and actually I thought it was broken, that like the day I got it, because my MacBook actually manages the power, yeah, and it'll actually uh, stop charging when it thinks it doesn't need to, and then so then the cable just said there was nothing going through it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> he got ripped off, right? But, but how much you pay for that cable? I think it was like fifteen dollars. Okay, it's not bad. It's a pretty good quality cable, and yeah. it has a display in it. Yeah, my worry is that like one of my kids would just take that cable. Yeah, because they need a cable, and they don't realize that it's like a special. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why you don't have kids. so that you can have the nice cables that's right yes but so that that is kind of cool so you can actually really understand how much juice is getting into your device yeah and the other thing is um what i've been able to tell we're using another device that's similarly priced it's about 15 to 20 dollars on amazon yeah it's a usb voltmeter okay and what it is it looks like a little usb thumb drive yeah but it actually has a display on it and you plug whatever 
USB A cable you have yeah. into that, and yeah. then then the it's other like, it's like the middleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it literally looks like a thumb drive, but you plug it in, and then it'll show you how many watts, how many amps, all that kind of stuff, and you'll know right away try, trying different cables what they're meant for because you can see the numbers that are there. Yeah, and the one I have actually will log things, and you can actually scroll through the log to see the charging time and stuff like that. it's it is super nerdy but it's a really simple way to troubleshoot and and figure out if you have good cables or bad cables because you plug those cables into this thing yeah and but you know i just got a, a good USB C cable that has it built in so i don't need, even need to worry about that for the usb side of things but i think it's actually a handy little device because you know i i have a few different laptops in, in the family we do too and so to your point you need certain cables, like if you're using uh, a USB-C cable for power, it, it needs to be kind of rated to be han- to handle enough power that goes into the laptop. So a lot of times I will like hook up my laptop to charge, you know, overnight because I need it the next day and it didn't charge because the cable wasn't, Yeah, and, and it I, fit, but it didn't charge. And sometimes, not saying all times, but sometimes if you're using a poor, poorly made cable, that can be what causes fires because these cables are drawing too much power, they get too hot, and sometimes they can even melt. So you're trying to prevent your house from burning down. So we're talking about USB cables. I know, not an exciting topic, but it's important because there's just more and more of these things. They're used for charging everything from our laptops to our phones, pretty well all electronic devices out there uh, right now. So you gotta make sure you have the right one plugged in. So uh, again, these little devices are called like USB voltmeters. Yeah. So that, that is a good way of testing the cable out. Uh, but you've got one that's got it built right in. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, these are there's a ton of different brands and models on Amazon. Just just look for USB-C cable with display yeah. and you'll find it. It And there's tons of different ones. They're all pretty much the same. I think they're all probably made in the same factory. Yeah. But they're nice quality cables. They're braided. Um, although, you know, lately I've been buying all my cables from IKEA of all places. IKEA. IKEA actually has a whole line of cables for every kind of thing. They have USB-C, they have USB-A, they have lightning to USB. Yeah. And they're all reasonably And the quality? They're high quality, yeah. braided cables, so they're not they're, they're not going to have that flexing problem right at the at the port. Yeah. And they're really inexpensive. We use them all we Rob and I keep buying them for the studio too. I didn't know IKEA sold cables. Yeah. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, cuz you worry sometimes when you're buying like Cables from like Seven Eleven. No, or, don't don't buy your cables from Seven <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> like IKEA would be up there if I thought about computer cables as a place not to buy them. But you're just saying they're fantastic. They're great. Yeah, yeah. Seven Eleven, no, no. IKEA, yes, yes. Or Amazon. Yeah, well, I find Amazon's kind of a Amazon will be hit and miss too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless there's certain brands that you like, but even then, the brands are hard to tell because there's so many copycat brands. We're going to have to take another break. When we come back, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You're back with the program. Mike and John here, a little bit of time left. John, exciting thing for BC drivers. I know this is probably happening in the rest of the country, but we are finally able to renew our car insurance online. Yes. This this has been a long time coming. Yeah. It's like, I feel like we've evolved from apes into humans now. Well, I feel like the rest of the country has probably been laughing at us because we haven't been able to do this. It's interesting though, right? So you, you've done it? I, uh, yeah, I just and, did and it. And how easy or painful was it? I got to say, being a former employee of the corporation. Yes, ICBC. <laughs> and his name is John Beeler. <laughs> 
It was actually a pretty painless process. Uh, the interesting thing is now there's a couple things that are different. One, you don't need a decal anymore. Yeah. So, um, so you don't have to worry about getting that sticker for your license plate. And you can actually renew up to 44 days ahead of your renewal date. Oh, that's, that's cool. So, and I think it was as of May 1st yeah. is when they flipped the switch. And one of the interesting things that I found was that the brokers that you would typically go to get your insurance from and get your decal from and all your paperwork, they're still in the loop. They're just basically, as you're going through and you sort of answer a bunch of questions, if you have any kind of changes to your policy, you want to add some new people, those kinds of things, you probably will still have to go into an office. But the nice thing is, is that if you're just doing a straight renewal, um, you basically will go through and it'll tell you who your last two insurance brokers were. You pick one of them and they'll be the ones that'll be supporting your transaction if anything comes up or there's any questions. Yeah. But it's, it was pretty painless. And then they give you basically the ability to print off your own documents. Okay. And you you use your same uh, payment uh, plan or credit card or whatever, however you're paying for it. You just sort of continue that along. And, you know, I got to say, it kind of surprised me because I'm used to the system not being so easy to use. No, I, so my, one of my cars have come up for renewal. So I'm actually kind of excited to try this out. Yeah. Well, it, it's just interesting the whole no decal thing anymore too, yeah. right? Cause that was always a big sticking point. And I know years ago there was a whole big kerfuffle about the fact that the decals would fall apart before you even stuck it onto the plate <laughs> and how you, the replacement cost of getting a new decal, that type of thing. I'm, I wonder, I know that they're keeping the, uh, the broker still in, yeah. in it. How long do you think that'll, like, I, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a huge expense. Um, but I, I think if you're just doing a straight renewal, it makes no sense that you have to go somewhere to do that. Yeah. <laughs> the, but the, but the, broker, the, the insurance broker is still going to get paid, even though you've done it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and the interesting thing is, what if you don't have a printer at home anymore? And you, you know what? A lot of people don't. You can actually select... Uh, ICBC will mail you a Canada po- via Canada oh, Post okay. your your paperwork. So so how long? I'm just wondering. And I I don't I don't know. I remember this was being talked about probably a decade ago when I was directly involved. Yeah, and it just felt like it was never going to happen. Well, we're uh, going to have to wait and see. That's all the time we have left. Don't forget to hit our website getconnectedmedia.com. We've got all the info up there and all our podcasts uh, for the app show and also get connected. See you again next time.